This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, in the world of politics, things are very, very warm indeed. In recent weeks, uh, we had allegations from Sinn Féin principally, but all the opposition parties, having exposed the former Minister for Finance, Pascal Donoghue, of overspending on his election. And it turned out it was a 2,000 quid and somebody putting up post as a friend of his, actually, and not charging for it. And nobody led that campaign with more viciousness, really, than the Sinn Féin. Pierce Doherty said Pascal Dunham's explanation was farcical. His story lies in tatters, Doherty went on. It stretches credibility. There's a concocted narrative. What we need is accountability. Mary Lou MacDonald, not to be outdone, said she detected, quote, the stench of cronyism and favours for insiders. And this was a fairly typical, oppositions do this, uh, but no one does it quite like Sinn Féin. A story has now emerged in independent newspapers showing the extent of Sinn Féin's failure to comply with the standards in public office commission and we're talking here not about two grand we're talking our posters even unless they're very elaborate posters we're talking about hundreds of thousands of pounds and we're talking about a period going back to 2014 now nothing the public hates more than hypocrisy you expect it from politicians but on this scale you know of hundreds of thousands of euro I should say I was back in pounds uh, in my head. It really is remarkable. And we're joined now by Finan Sheen, Ireland editor of independent newspapers, to talk about that and also to check on the progress of the possible solution to the Northern Protocol between the EU and the UK, which is in the works somewhere. Finan, thank you very much for joining us. I'd like to start with the... Bruhaha, let's call it, around Pascal Donoghue. I think it's generally accepted that he was a very good minister for finance. He's now the minister of public expenditure that changed over with Michael McGrath. But the outrage expressed by Sinn Féin in particular over what amounted to very little was 
not easy to watch, really. Had one known the scale of their failure to comply, it would, it's, it's, there's a stench of it, all right, but it's a stench of hypocrisy and opportunism. Am I wrong? Well, Sinn Féin have very much opened the door now for scrutiny of all parties and their election expenditure, donations, financial accounting, because they made such a big issue of of the the Pascal Donoghue affair, I suppose it is an affair at, at, at this point. It was quite a controversy, went on for several weeks at a, at a time when there were other major pressing issues, such as the, the pressure uh, on the health service after Christmas, the cost of, yes. of living crisis, uh, record um, homelessness figures. Sinn Féin honed in on this as their number one issue for, for 10 days, uh, effectively, in a row. And at 10 days, they suddenly backed off fierce quick because the spotlight began to fall on them and that became a, a rather uncomfortable situation. So the Pascal Dunhu situation, it, it, it closed off with basically Pascal Dunhu ad- admitting that over the course of two elections, he received assistance uh, from a businessman and his companies in putting up posters. He says un- unbeknownst uh, to him uh, and that he uh, did not declare uh, these election expenses and that there is a donation uh, issue there as well uh, around a potential undeclared donation and potentially there are other issues there which have now been left in the remit of the Standards of Public Office Commission which is the state ethics uh, watchdog. So that's where we'll, we'll be hearing about that probably sometime in the distant future because the Standards of Public Office Commission doesn't uh, act particularly uh, swiftly but nonetheless they have received complaints they are believed to be investigating that matter and Pascal Dunner, who is putting his hand up uh, and saying that there were breaches on his part. Yes. Sinn Féin, on the flip side, were turning around and basically claiming to be some sort of paragons uh, of virtue. Uh, but the more that the spotlight has fallen on Sinn Féin uh, and the, the, the greater level of scrutiny of their own accounting practices uh, has resulted uh, in a vast array uh, of issues now now coming to light. Sinn Féin are trying to play these things down and saying they're, oh, they're just sloppy administrative errors. There's nothing big here. But in effect, it has cast scrutiny uh, upon their uh, entire accounting system, uh, which there have been question marks about in the past, uh, but the party has, has claimed nothing to, to see here. We can go back, for example, all the way back to... The, the 2011 uh, and basically say over the past decade pretty much every major election there is now a question mark uh, over Sinn Féin uh, in terms of their accounting their donations uh, their their payment of bills uh, and how they accounted for expenses uh, in those elections so we go back to 2011 Mary Lou MacDonald receives a donation from the now former Sinn Féin councillor gangland criminal uh, and dissident Republican contact Jonathan Dowdall yes. uh, ahead of that general election in 2011. She was claiming two months ago uh, that that wasn't a donation that was given to her, that it was a donation given by Mr. Dowdall to the party. And she 
made this claim. The party made this claim. Several of our front bench spokespeople made this claim. So it was no accident. But there's actually a donation statement from Mary Lou MacDonald, which says she received this donation of a thousand euros from Mr. Dowdall. So there was no room for any confusion there. The only confusion that was brought to bear was from Mary Lou MacDonald and other figures in Sinn Féin. She was pulled up on it. Uh, the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar raised the doll. Uh, there were other questions put to her, and ultimately she came back uh, 10 days ago and admitted, no, actually, that donation was given to me, so that when she said it wasn't to her, it was to the party, she was incorrect. So that's 2011. We cop on then to 2014. We've just discovered uh, last week that Sinn Féin uh, were ordering posters themselves in that general election and left an unpaid bill with one of the biggest printing companies in the country. They left an outstanding series of invoices for five grand. Now, this wasn't some sort of uh, anomaly, uh, a sloppy administrative error. The company concerned has got proper accounting systems in place. They chased Sinn Féin for four years to get them to pay this bill and eventually had to write it off as a bad debt. That's incredible. Considering they have dinners in New York for two grand a plate. Yeah, literally, regard and, and a vast array of properties across the country, widely regarded as the richest party in this state, and refused to pay the bill. Now, Sinn Féin's excuse was, well, the party nationally paid its portion of the bill. It was the parties locally that didn't. Now, I... Uh, I don't know how things work for you when you go into a shop, but when I go into a shop and order goods, I can't say, no. oh, well, that, that bill's not for me. You'll have to get on to my mother and she'll pay for that or me, or me, my cousin down the road. Well, that, that's actually, I'm buying those rashers for him. It's basically, it was Sinn Féin was the organization that ordered these posters, that received them, that used them, and then was refusing to pay the bill. That issue is still, I believe, being resolved uh, now, nine years later, basically because Sinn Féin had been named and shamed for not paying those bills, that matter uh, is is now, it would appear, uh, being resolved and the company will finally be paid uh, that bill. Come forward then to uh, 2016, uh, the, the general election there, we saw the cost of six high-profile press conferences uh, was never declared as they're required to do under their election expenses. Now, these were high-profile events. They were attended by members of the media. They weren't obscure things in the background that nobody could have known about. Yeah. They never declared them, including the two more, the biggest events that they had, the launch of their campaign, the launch of their manifesto. They never paid the bill for the hire of the venue in those cases. Again, they've now paid the bill. The claim they didn't get the invoice. It's hard to see how you forget that we didn't pay the invoice for our two most high-profile events uh, in an in election. They are now going to have to amend their election expenses. This is the first of the of the amendments that we're seeing. What I'm Absolutely. tempted to say, Fanon, is that this is farcical. Uh, their story lies in tatters. It stretches credibility. It's a concocted narrative. What we need is accountability. Yeah, it, it gets worse. You, you come to even more recent years. Again, European elections, we saw campaign spending. Uh, again, the political parties have, have got they're fairly straightforward forms that they have to fill out about what did you spend on the election? 
there are strict rules in place around the amount that you can spend. As long as you don't go over that limit, you're grand. You just need to fill out. Did you spend it on posters, uh, on media, uh, on transport, on hotels? What did you spend the money for? Account for it here. Usually, in most cases, a political party in particular would have an accountant who maps all of this expenditure, make sure that it is national expenditure versus local expenditure, and that's all done. We're now seeing that Sinn Féin, for three major elections, are going to have to review all of their forms that they filled out here. For the Europeans, they didn't adequately fill it out in terms of the expenditure for candidates as opposed to overall expenditure. We've already gone through 2016, failing to declare expenditure there. Election 2020, they didn't originally declare the cost of an opinion poll that they got done for them by a London-based company. It then turns out that they, when they were notified of this they, by the media, they amended their election expenses. There then turned out that there was a number of different amendments that had to be undertaken. This was only an election two, year, two, two and a half, or now three years ago. Uh, at that point, then, it now turns out that the amount they declared was actually in sterling, not in euros. So they're going to have to amend that one again. So they're now carrying out a full review into election 2020, the European elections of 2019, and the general election in 2016. So that's the, the three biggest elections that we have had uh, over the, the past seven years, and Sinn Féin is having to go back over all of this. Another question arises in that context, and this is the Abu database. This is their database that they use to map levels of support uh, for them in every area of the country. They go door to door. When you canvass the door, you knock on it, and you go, how are you, Mr. Dunphy? Who are you voting for? And any chance you give us a vote? They come out the gate, a guy is standing there with a clipboard and he writes down whether you're a strong supporter, you're a potential supporter, or you're not going to vote for him at all. Yes. That is then fed back into an overall database where they can assess their level of support in areas. It allows them to direct additional resources there over the course of the campaign, go back and, and, and knock on those doors again on polling day to make sure the people who said they were supporting them get out and vote. Very good system to have. Probably works better in the UK elections than it does uh, in Ireland because the level of data that they use there is 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 more is more sophisticated than here. But that's a handy one to have. Sinn Féin are claiming this system doesn't cost anything. Now it does strike one that if you've got a system that is being filled out manually to electronically being monitored and so on and so forth, it's hard to see how that doesn't cost anything. Yes. And yet the only the cost that they're declaring is a minor amount uh, for the registration uh, of of that, that system. So there's now a, a complaint gone in there. The other big overarching complaint that has gone in uh, and that we believe that the Standard and Public Office Commission is going to look at is a series of anomalies between Sinn Féin's election expenses that they declare after elections and their annual financial accounts, which they submit every year. There would appear to be vast differences between the amount that they declare as election expenses and the amount that they say they spent in their annual accounts. And the party is going to have to explain that again. So we can basically go back over the course of the last decade and find Sinn Féin, there's not just sloppy administrative errors, there's not just minor issues here, there are major issues with Sinn Féin's accounting practices. Yeah, and uh, it would have been better had they just 
looked in a reasonable way at the Pascal Donahue situation rather than getting up. And in fact, I read out the stuff about stretching credibility and the stench of cronyism and all of that nonsense. They forced Minister Donahue to address the doll twice. But we'll leave them for now. We have at least a sense of how they operate. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I want to ask you about the Northern Protocol negotiations We were expecting, and there's been expectations around the place for a few days, some rapprochement between the EU and the UK involving the Northern Protocol, which is a big problem. Boris Johnson got involved at the weekend warning Sunak not to do any deal on the protocol. Sunak has well over a 100 hardline Brexiteers on his backbenches who don't want any deal. Where are we with that, and how important is it for us? Well, unfortunately, part of the negotiations still seem to be rooted in the 1600s, and that's that's a little bit of the, the yep. problem that that's going on uh, here. People kind of living in in the past. It 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 has been expected now for quite some time, particularly since uh, Rishi Sunak came to power, that the British would side would take a more pragmatic view. Uh, on the Northern Ireland Protocol and accept that they're going to have to compromise on their side and the EU has shown a willingness to compromise on its side to relieve some of the, the restrictions on the effectively the border that is across the Irish Sea. From the from the the, the Republic of Ireland's perspective, the 
the red line issue of no uh, hard border on the island still remains, uh, and that has been the European Union's position throughout, and that's not even on the table. So it, it is, largely speaking, uh, about uh, goods uh, coming into Northern Ireland uh, across the IRC. And to be fair, people have been pointing out there is an overly burdensome level of administration uh there, there are even certain products that are banned, that this is obviously compromising Northern Ireland's uh, place in the United Kingdom and therefore uh, something has to give. The DUP, uh, as the largest party on the Union side, uh, have set a very high bar uh, for what has to come out uh, of these negotiations in order to satisfy them and for them to go back into the government in the Northern Ireland Executive. Nobody could ever see uh, those those criteria being matched. The European Court, the European Court of Justice is is an issue because yeah. the single market is only protected ultimately uh, by the European Court of Justice, and that is giving uh, the DUP a headache, and they're giving all the rest of us a headache. Yeah, and the DUP uh, are effectively saying, look, we are part of Northern Ireland is a part of the UK; it is not a part of the EU. Therefore, we're European laws uh, should not uh, apply here, nor nor European courts. That's a difficulty, and that's how the, the single market is governed. The remarkable thing, of course, in all of this is that Northern Ireland has the best of both worlds. It can remain in the single market and also yes. uh, remain a part of the UK, an advantage that it has as a region over every other part uh, of uh, the United Kingdom, but the DUP don't uh, see it uh, that way. The glass is half empty rather than, than half full. So the compromise that was basically put uh, on the table and that had to be got across, uh, well, it effectively comes down to two main issues. How do you treat goods coming to, into to Northern Ireland? So it was basically going to be uh, a green line and a red line. Green line would be things, items that can be fast-tracked because they're goods that are only coming into Northern Ireland. They're not yes. going to be moving on anywhere else. They're not part of a supply chain uh, or a manufacturing chain that will result in the, the finished product ending up in the Republic of Ireland or back elsewhere in the EU. So that would appear to be a, a sensible uh, arrangement that you have a, a, a fast-track process there for goods that are only coming into Northern Ireland and then for other goods that are perhaps coming to uh, south of the border or going back to the continent, that there would be another process in train to, to track those. Then secondly, on the European uh, court uh, issue, uh, in order to have some regulatory system in place to deal with disputes that arise, a, another intermediary form of arbitration was going to be put in place. That mean that only in the event uh, of that interim uh, process not providing a satisfactory resolution would the European courts come into play. So you'd effectively have the Northern Ireland courts, you would have uh, uh, an intermediary uh, process uh, of some sort that would be a, a quasi-court, uh, a form of arbitration uh, on this issue, uh, to try and resolve most issues, so you, you'd only uh, get a minimal, only in a minimal number of cases would you end up 
uh, end up requiring the, the European courts to come into play. Yeah. The, what we're hearing is that the DUP are not happy and therefore the DUP are not happy. The Brexiteer wing uh, of the Conservative Party is not happy, led by Boris Johnson. He is of the, the belief, sources close to him have expressed the belief that uh, this uh, is a, a form of undermining of Brexit and the legislation that has been passed and the stripping away of European Union powers and therefore he is opposed to it and is, is whipping up uh, a bit of activity on the, the Tory backbenches. The, the test now is coming for Rishi Sunak. Yes. Is Rishi Sunak, is he Boris Johnson? Who <laughs> kowtows to his, his, the, 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 the right wing, Brexiteer wing of his backbenches? Is he Theresa May, who agrees a deal and is then incapable of getting it past those Brexiteer, uh, hard nosed, uh, backbenches, or is he Rishi Sunak, the pragmatist, uh, who believes that he can strike a deal with the EU and also there's enough in it to present to the DUP as a form of a win and he can also get it past his own backbenches. So, he may fall between all three stools, really. He may, he may find that he's not uh, the first British Prime Minister who'll perish on the rock of the DUP's intransigence. A final question, Finan, and we're very grateful to you for joining us. Uh, Behaviour and Attitudes opinion poll yesterday gave uh, Fine Gael a four-point bounce, and Michal Martin is the most popular leader in the country. There was some small setback, three points down for Sinn Féin. At this stage, uh, Finan, it doesn't seem feasible that Sinn Féin, given its not very close uh, relationships with other parties of the left or protest parties, they'd find it very hard, wouldn't they, on these figures, 31% Sinn Féin, Fianna Fáil 24, Fine Gael 23, Greens 5, to form a government. Yeah, what's emerging, though, is that you know, Sinn Féin is remaining the best supported party. If that was to translate uh, into a, a general election yes. uh, context, they would be looking at 60 seats and they would most likely emerge as the, the largest party. At the moment, you'd, you'd kind of put uh, Fine Gael on, on maybe low to mid 40s. You'd put Fianna Fáil in, in high 20s, maybe early 30s if, if they were fortunate uh, on the day. So the difficulty for, for Sinn Féin would still be where are they going beyond that in order to, to form a coalition? Yes. Because even trying to cobble some together with the, the smaller left-wing parties probably wouldn't provide uh, a majority to them. So they'd still be turning around to Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael and saying, we need one of you to go into coalition with us. Fine Gael firmly ruling that out. Uh, it's becoming a, a raison d'etre, effectively, for Leo Varadkar that he he's pitching himself as the, the anti-Sinn Féin. So therefore, it, it would fall to whoever is the Fianna Fáil leader to decide, right, the numbers are such that you could re-establish the present coalition, maybe with support from Labour, the Social Democrats, or some independents, and get back into power that way. Or you can go in with, with Sinn Féin, and that will probably be what the, the the fallout from the, the next 
uh, election delivers. In a scenario like that, you'd probably say that a Fianna Fáil leader would turn around and say, better the devil you know here, yeah. uh, because there's there's too many risks and there's too many doubts uh, attached to going in with Sinn Féin, uh, as opposed to coming back uh, into to power with an administration that has lasted for five years. However, we don't know who the leader is going to be uh, at that time. Will it still be Micheál Martin? We also don't know what the attitude of the, the backbenchers and the grassroots uh, of the party will be. But what we do know as of now is the current government, it, it, it's functioning, uh, certainly on the economic side, doing splendidly well, putting together uh, another cost of living uh, package uh, this week, uh, plenty of money in the coffers, but still struggling in terms of, of delivering on, on social uh, issues uh, like uh, housing, housing and health. Uh, yeah. And health. Yeah. So that, that's still the same issue there. The, the problem that Sinn Féin has is that you know, the longer time goes on, the more that they come under scrutiny uh, and the more that people question, well, are you going to be able to do any better uh, if you get into power, given the number of question marks that are that are being raised uh, about you, even on a very basic level, like managing your own party accounts. If you can't manage your own party accounts, how do you expect people to think it credible that you can actually solve complicated issues uh, like housing and health? So, look, the, the, the polls changing that much. Fine Gael will take heart from the fact that they're back in in with Leo Varadkar as Taoiseach and that they, they've had a bit of a, a bounce uh, in this poll. But then there was a Sunday Independent poll uh, last week showing them down. So the, the pattern is still the same. Sinn Féin, substantially the, the biggest party, followed by uh, Fine Gael usually ahead uh, of Fianna Fáil and the other parties struggling. What you're also seeing is that Sinn Féin's gains are mainly coming at the expense of the smaller parties uh, and independents. Okay, Fanon, we're very grateful to you for joining us on the stand. Fanon Sheehan is Ireland editor of Independent Newspapers. We're grateful to him always. Uh, to all of you for listening, that's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.